Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hi and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly, I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. First off, I just want to apologise, well not apologise really, but just mention at the beginning of this episode that although I am not outside at the moment, I do have the French doors open because it's such a beautiful day and the birds at the moment are so loud. It's evening time but they are singing away really, really loudly So you might be able to hear them in the background when I'm speaking. And if you can, then that's all it is. I'm not actually outside, I am inside, but they are really noisy tonight. Anyway, on to today's episode. So today's episode, I want to talk about restriction. We often talk about restriction with eating disorders as a key symptom that then leads on to a lot of the other symptoms so common with eating disorders and that in recovery it's necessary to break all the restriction in the how, what, when you eat, and with whom you eat. But very often we don't stop and unpick what restriction in eating looks like and all the ways it can manifest. Because when you've had an eating disorder for any significant length of time, a lot of the smaller ways in which you might restrict how you eat or what you eat can be so habitual and ingrained that you don't even realize you're still doing them or that they're a part of the illness. And people around you are likely to not know that you have some of these restrictive tendencies or they might have accepted them as part of what you do and not challenged them as you go through recovery because they don't consider them significant to the bigger picture. But the truth is that in eating disorder recovery, you could be eating thousands more calories a day You could be eating 10 or 20,000 calories a day and to the world you might look like you are doing incredibly well at this recovery game. Because to be fair, you would be. But on the other hand, you could be eating all that food but still restricting. And that restriction can lie in so many of the decisions you make in the day. Even the decisions that seem on the surface not even particularly food related. At the end of the day, as I say time and time again, eating disorders are very sneaky and they will try to negotiate every last thing with you in recovery, down to the smallest little detail. It's so important that you recognise where these eating disorder negotiations are coming in and where these sneaky attempts of the illness to keep you restricting are coming in, so that you can pick up on them and address them. After all, as I also say often, we don't negotiate with terrorists, so we don't negotiate with eating disorders. Therefore, in this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the ways in which the eating disorder can still push you into restriction in your daily decisions and habits, even when you think you are doing amazingly because you are eating huge volumes and facing fear foods like never before. And if you are eating huge volumes and facing fear foods like never before, then that is absolutely fantastic. Well done. I'm not taking anything from that achievement and keep doing that. 
but also just be wise to where the illness still lurks for you. So what then am I actually talking about? Well, let's start with some of the more obvious ways in which restriction will manifest. It's eating to any limits in how much you eat. So if you're eating to a set number of calories in the day and see that as a maximum and not as a minimum, or if you're eating to a meal plan that you won't allow yourself to go above, even if you're hungry, or if you have limits to how much you will allow yourself to eat at each meal or snack and you won't let yourself eat more than that, even if your brain and body are screaming at you for more, or even if they are just gently trying to nudge you for more, then that is restriction. And that type of restriction is quite easy to spot and easy to address in what you have to do. Okay, perhaps it's not easy in practice if your brain is causing chaos for you and generating a massive fear response. But that's for another episode. At the end of the day, restricting in terms of limits of calories, meal plans, seeing them as maximums and not minimums, that is quite blatant restriction. And alongside this first point would be only eating foods in certain amounts and never more. So whether that's the number of scoops you have of something, whether it's weighing it to a certain limit you won't allow more of, whether it's only a certain number of portions of whatever it is, that is again a certain restriction if you will never let yourself eat more than a certain amount of one particular food. You might also have rules of how many of something you will let yourself eat in a day or in a week or in a meal. Common things here are how many times people will let themselves have chocolate or white bread, or bread at all for that matter, or ice cream or other sugary foods, or even meal rules such as only having a certain meal once a week and never more than that. For example, you might say, well, I've already had pizza this week, so I can't again until next week. There are no rules as to how much of something you can eat in a day, in a week, or even in an hour. If you want to eat white bread smothered in chocolate and ice cream and pizza and so on all day, and nothing else at all, then that is absolutely fine. These rules around the how many in a day, how many in a week, they're all meaningless and they're all plain old eating disorder restriction, which needs to be broken to get rid of those rules. You might also have rules around only eating certain types of food at certain times of day. For example, chocolate can only be eaten after a certain time of day. Cereals can't be eaten after a certain time of day. Pasta is a food only to be eaten in the evenings, and so on and so forth. Once again, these are all ways that the eating disorder will try to stop you eating what you might really want when you actually want to eat it. There are no rules on what you can eat and when you eat it. If you want to have pasta for breakfast, then you can. If you want to eat chocolate as soon as you wake up, then you can. If you want to have cereal for dinner, then you can. There are no rules. The only rules around that kind of thing are things that society has created. They're just societal norms. It means nothing to your body. Your body doesn't understand what society decides. And in eating disorder recovery, your body will tell you what food it wants and when. And that might not be only eating chocolate in the evening. It might want chocolate in the morning. And if it does, give it chocolate in the morning. And while on the day-to-day eating topic, there's also another very common eating disorder tactic 
in which the disordered brain will compare to what you ate yesterday or the same day a week ago and not let you eat more than you did then, no matter how much you want to. And it usually doesn't stop at only letting you eat as much as that previous time. It usually drags you back to an even lower amount and then that becomes a vicious downward spiral. So you're always looking at, oh, I only ate this much yesterday, therefore I can't eat more than that today. Or actually, I better eat less today to be safe. It's a vicious cycle. For some reason, the eating disordered brain is so good at that downward spiral. And you need to catch it. You need to think, every day I have to be eating more, not less. Every day has to be more. And of course, this is all sneaky and manipulative ways the eating disorder brain keeps you in that restrictive mindset and in those restrictive patterns. You need to be wise to it. Next, as we already touched on a little bit, we have the time of day eating. Only letting yourself eat at certain times of day. And in recovery, you might think this is okay if you're eating huge amounts more than you ever used to at those times of day and even facing massive fears at those times of day. But if you can't let yourself eat at other times, then that's a problem. And if you're hungry between your time of day eating rules and won't let yourself eat until the next permitted time, even as I say, if that is huge amounts at each time, then that is torturous. Waiting to eat because of some arbitrary whim of your brain when you are hungry is really, really torturous. And when you reflect on it from a non-disordered mindset, it's also very unnecessary. You can eat at any time of day. You can just keep eating all throughout the day if you want to. There are no time of day rules and you need to be able to let yourself eat at any time of day so that you don't get stuck in that rigidity. And then if something happens at four o'clock when you'd usually be eating, you could be flexible around that and think that's fine because I can eat at three o'clock because this thing is happening at four o'clock and it's not a problem. And as well as times of day eating, it might be you have rules about only eating in certain locations or with particular people, or that you will only eat if you have a reasonable amount of time to do so. In recovery, you need to find all these rules too. Learn that you can eat anywhere, that you can eat alone or with others, that you can eat even if you only have two minutes to force something down because you have an appointment. Don't let any of these old rules and ingrained habits of eating become more reasons to allow the restriction to continue. And alongside time of day eating, there's the good old delaying eating, also very common to the person with an eating disorder. If you do eat at a different time, then your disordered brain will very likely make it later than your usual or planned time, and never earlier. This almost certainly stems from the fact that when you are eating restrictively and actually very hungry, if you eat earlier and then have less permitted food left for the rest of the day, you can feel really, really depressed and it can be really hard to get through those then longer hours without more nourishment and more food that you'll let yourself eat. When you're eating restrictively, food is precious and you want to drag it out and it becomes ritualistic and you want to still have it there to look forward to before you fall into bed at night. But delaying eating 
is all due to restriction. Because if food was unlimited, which it is now that you're in recovery, then there is always more food to be had, no matter how early in the day it is, no matter how late in the day it is, and no matter what. So you don't have to wait to have your food later and later. You can eat as much food on waking in huge amounts as you want to, and then keep eating as much as your brain and body ask for all day and all night, if that is what your brain and body need right now. And another thing I touched on earlier is weighing or measuring food to certain amounts. People with eating disorders get very attached to their kitchen scales. I know I did. And they weigh out anything and everything. Now, let's face it, you can argue until you are blue in the face that this is because you are making sure you have enough of something. But I think we all know that it is actually to make sure you don't have too much according to your brain and your restrictive rules. If you are really eating without limits and without restriction, then you don't need a set of scales or other means to measure food quantity to tell you that. You have as much of things as you possibly can and you keep eating it until your brain and body say, okay, I'm done with that now, but I quite fancy this instead right now. And then you go and have that instead. Kitchen scales are machines of restriction and eating disorders love them. So if you're still weighing out your food, it's time to ditch those kitchen scales. And I think we all know this next common one too, and that's calorie or other macros or number checking on packages, etc. And only eating a certain limit or making your food choices based on what the numbers say, always avoiding the higher values. When you see the numbers on the packaging, always go with the highest to show your brain that you can and override those restrictive calorie checking habits. And when you're out and about shopping, restriction can also look like avoiding buying the foods in the shop that you really deep down want because the eating disordered side is saying, hmm, well, if you don't have it at home, then you won't be able to eat it. Oops, wouldn't that be a shame? You need to fill your cupboards at home with all the least restrictive options you can find so that you don't have the oh, I don't have any excuse not to eat without that restriction creeping back in. So what else is there? Well, there's also the other common trap people fall into, especially in recovery, when they need to be eating more than those around them. And that's the only eating as much as or less than a partner or a parent or a sibling or a friend, or only eating if they are eating. This is another way the illness will keep a person eating restrictively because when in recovery, you need so much more food than a person who is not energy deprived and who has an energy balanced appetite. Your appetite is likely to be several times theirs at times in your recovery journey. And if you will only eat what they eat or less than what they're eating, then you will definitely be restricting. You need to catch yourself with this one too. If you get the thought, I can't eat that because they are not, or they have only had X amount, so I can't have more than that, deliberately go and eat a lot more than them and trust your hunger, your mental hunger, as well as your physical hunger, because that's the hunger and appetite that will take you to recovery. 
The hunger and appetite that will take you to recovery is not the hunger and appetite of somebody else, especially if that somebody else is energy balanced. And then there is the special diet restriction. Now, please don't come back and bite me on this one. I'm not saying this is you. And if you need a special diet for medical or other non-eating disordered reasons, then you know what's true for you. But here I am talking about people choosing a special diet, such as avoiding meat, avoiding animal products, avoiding wheat or dairy or other things, not because of a true, and I mean true, medical need to avoid them, and not really because of very real ethical beliefs either, but because the illness has persuaded you to use these reasons over the years as a way to restrict on the what you will eat or how much you will eat. And this one, as I say, only you know deep down what's true for you. And that's where you have to be honest with yourself. Next, there are the little things where you are eating so, so, so much more food, but still letting the eating disorder have little restrictive wins. And here I mean things like eating bread, even lots of bread, but not buttering it. Eating three big magnums, when you really want to eat five or six. Choosing one flavor of ice cream over another because it has 13 less calories or something ridiculous like that. Having the big milky drink but saying no to the cream or the other toppings with it. Avoiding the higher calorie sauces or dressings with things. Or it might even be having a pear instead of a banana because although you're eating thousands of calories in a day now, bananas are still a fear food. Or it might even be eating the fear food, such as a huge sandwich with loads of cheese and butter and massive slabs of bread, but then not having the crisps that you really, really want with it. All these little things count. Please notice every decision when it comes to food you are making and where the restriction is still aiming to sneak into those options you are making for yourself. Notice them, dig them out, address them. And I think it also hopefully goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, diet products of any type. You are not on a diet if you are eating unrestrictedly. And this one is definitely not excusable as it is blatant restriction. If you are choosing diet products, that's still blatant restriction. And at the end of the day, full fat, full sugar options, always taste better, and those are the right choice for recovery. Another one that many of you will be familiar with is the pre or post event restriction. And you know what I mean here. You know you are going out for a big slap up lunch and don't know what it will be perhaps on the menu, and so you restrict beforehand, sometimes even subconsciously, to give yourself more permission to eat, in inverted commas, when you are there. Or perhaps after an event of eating more or differently, you restrict to compensate for it, even though you're still bloody hungry. You don't need to restrict as permission to eat later. And you don't need to restrict even after a huge feast when you are still hungry, mental or physical hunger. And to recover, it is key that you don't. And when you are eating with less restriction, you are inevitably going to notice weight and body changes. 
because your body is hungry, malnourished, and needs extra flesh for it to heal and thrive, as well as let you mentally recover. But one way many restrict is if they notice their weight has gone up and judge it to be too fast or inappropriate, and so cut back their intake and restrict to try to slow the rate of gain down or even stop the weight gain altogether. Of course, this is still disordered and this is still restriction. Recovery means letting go of any attempts to manipulate your body weight and shape. And so it means eating without any restriction, no matter how fast you think you're gaining weight, no matter how much weight you think you're gaining or what your brain is telling you about that. And then there's the eating more, but not what you actually want to eat. Not following your body cravings, but telling yourself you're eating more, so it's good. Trust your body to guide and don't restrict and don't judge it on the what it wants you to eat or how much of it it wants you to eat. Your body knows what's best for it and it will guide you if you listen no matter what it's trying to get you to eat or how ridiculous you think it is. It's only asking for these things because it needs them. And of course, here too comes the using compensatory means as a way to restrict as well. It could be exercising as a way to restrict your intake or compensate for your intake. Perhaps you use exercise to undo your eating, or maybe you use it to avoid empty time in your day when you know you would otherwise want to be eating, or maybe you use exercise to blunt your appetite. This is all a form of restriction and it all matters. And other compensatory behaviours are also a way to restrict at the end of the day. Purging, laxatives, diet pills, it's all a way to make up for eating or to give you permission to eat more later perhaps. And so it's all a way of restricting. And then we have the keeping busy, be that mentally or physically as a means to avoid eating or to avoid your hunger. Again, keeping busy and active can be a distraction from hunger. And if you're on the go constantly, it will also put your body in a state with more cortisol and adrenaline flowing, which block your appetite. This is also a form of restriction. Notice what you're doing. Notice when you're trying to keep yourself busy to try and block your appetite or to avoid your hunger and aim to rest and relax more. And let the hunger in. And then please, please, whatever you do, respond to that hunger. Unrestrictedly respond to that hunger. So that's a starting list for you on some of the ways that restriction can manifest in your life. And as I say, this is a starting list. It takes weeding out what in your case is restrictive when the patterns come into your eating and where some of those less obvious disordered behaviours and habits linger for you. But it really does all matter. Everything matters when it comes to fighting the illness and when it comes to finding the restriction, weeding it out and destroying every last restrictive habit and tendency you might have. Because as I've said already, you might be eating loads more in recovery, but if you're still using restriction in even the small ways, it reinforces to your brain that you can eat too much or that numbers matter or that times of day 
or who you're eating with or where you're eating matters. And of course it doesn't. And that restriction might not make a difference to if you weight restore or not. But they keep the eating disordered mindset strong. And those little restrictive tendencies will stop you mentally recovering fully if you don't weed them all out and address them. So in future episodes, I'll talk more about a few little tactics to use to not only dig out the restriction that's lingering in your life, but also to overcome it. If you want to know more about me and my coaching, then you'll find me on hellybarns.com. And otherwise, I will speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day. Thank you.